How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Decisions Podcast. I am your host, Bailey Short, and joining me, as always, Andrew Wilder. Hello, hello. So it's finally here. Week one is upon us. We are recording the show Tuesday afternoon, and I tell you what, I just got off the phone with Andrew before we started the show, and I'm screaming. And I'm trying to spare everybody's eardrums because I want to just scream right now. I'm so excited. Andrew, how are you feeling going into uh, to week one? Just like we talked about earlier, it's like our Christmas has finally come. The season is finally upon us. All make or break decisions now. Fun new news breaks and things coming in about people being ready for week one. They're out for week one. Who were starting, who were fading. Ooh, and yeah, I can actually watch games. I'm excited about it, man. Can't wait. Can't wait. So we're going to be shifting our content as we get into regular season a little bit. Um, the content you guys have been getting up to this point has been a little bit more preparatory, long-term stuff. Now we're going to be talking more week-to-week stuff. And, you know, depending on our mood, we might release some bonus short episodes with some more long-term oriented stuff since this is a Dynasty fantasy football podcast. Um, but, you know, one uh, thing to always remember is that we are playing a weekly game. Even though this is Dynasty Fantasy Football, it's still a weekly game, and each week you have to make decisions to help you win or lose, which ultimately we're all trying to win, right? That is the right. goal. Yeah. So Yeah, no one plays this win, game a loser. Come on. Unless you got that, unless you're eyeing that first round pick. Unless you're eyeing that uh, Trevor fe- Lawrence. Tank, tank, tank. But anyway, so we're going to be talking today about our week one storylines to follow, some matchup advice, and some things that Andrew and I are both looking at at these week one games as far as some things that might set the tone for the rest of the season with some of these fantasy-relevant players that we're talking about. So, Andrew, first game, Thursday night, it's going to be Kansas City and Houston. I'm super excited about this game. Uh, What is something you're really going to be watching in this game to kind of get a feel for one of the two teams here? So I'll let you take the other talking point, but I'll talk about Houston's offense and the loss of DeAndre Hopkins being traded over to Arizona. Um, We're going to see who's going to have to step up and fill that void. A lot of people have their eyes directed at Brandon Cooks to step up and take that role as well. Whereas other people think that Wolf Fuller has the potential to do it if he can stay on the field. And not to mention the other part of that big storyline was having David Johnson in that backfield and seeing if he's actually going to put his money where his mouth is there, you know, coming in, replacing that franchise receiver that everyone loved, you know, kind of to someone who's been faded out these past few years, who started off hot in the NFL and has kind of fallen off. Um, I'm excited to see how Deshaun Watson directs and orchestrates that offense and see if it's going to be kind of something that we've had of old instead of, you know, this new, hopefully better new and improved. Hopefully O'Brien did his homework and, you know, didn't trade away Hopkins for absolutely nothing. So I'm looking yeah. forward to well, see how they operate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm interested too. The, you know, Brandon Cooks is dealing with some type of uh, lower body injury and he's, I think they're trying to get him ready for week one, but I don't know if he's a for sure go. So that would obviously be a big hit. Something worth uh, noting is that Deshaun Watson had 42 pass attempts against Kansas City last year. He scored 31 fantasy points that game. Uh, 42 attempts with 30 completions. Now Hopkins, that same game, had 12 targets, nine completions for 55 yards. So kind of a quiet game for Hopkins. Uh, that, Compared to normal. Yeah, yeah, that game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see for sure, you know, where where's the offensive production come from? I mean, I really think it, it. this was already the case with Houston, but that offense is revolving around Deshaun Watson. 
yep. it's going to revolve around Deshaun Watson even more now. And I agree, you know, if Brandon Cooks, if Will Fuller can stay on the field, uh, we might see some Kenny Steals, uh, especially if Cooks is having issues. I, and obviously David Johnson and Duke Johnson getting involved. So yep. it'll be interesting to see who kind of, like you said, gets the most fantasy production out of there. The other big storyline on the other side of the uh, of the matchup here is with Kansas City and the rookie star we have with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm super excited to watch how he looks in this offense. I think it's going to be a great fit. I think Clyde is going to be a beast on the NFL field as well as in your fantasy lineups. Um, he is one rookie for week one that I'm starting pretty confidently uh, where I have him. I'm, I'm totally fine with putting him in a starting lineup, not worrying about it at all. Nobody's going to be taking away carries and touches from Clyde. Uh, and I really want to see him prove himself on the NFL field. So cannot wait to watch him, especially as an LSU LSU fanboy. I know we're uh -huh. both excited to watch old Clyde. So that's going to be super cool and, and fun to watch. And it should be a high-scoring game. It should be a, a high-scoring fantasy game as well. So if you have players, as long as they're healthy and they're a full go, I would totally – totally be starting any of the big names in that game and even some of the uh, secondary names stuff like, like will fuller just so let's just take a look at it while we're talking will fuller he played he did play that was the last game he played in that mm -hmm. um, before the, the ha hamstring injury mm -hmm. so you know doesn't really give you a full uh data full, table yeah no i was gonna say it'd be interesting to see if he had a bigger game or not but it, it'll be interesting to see so We'll see. Um, so going forward to Sunday's games, rather than going through each game, um, we're going to talk about some talking points that kind of tie in some of these games together, and we'll go over some of the matchups individually as well. So to me, <clears throat> something I'm really looking forward to in, for Sunday and watching all these games is seeing the backfield splits. And I'm really interested in some of these crowded backfields, how they deploy their running backs and, and who really gets the bulk of the carries, the bulk of the workload, who gets the passing down uh, snaps. And, and stuff goal line like work, that. fun and like goal that. goal line work. Yeah, and this is really where, you know, you really don't know what you're looking at here until we see the games. And with no preseason, um, some of these young guys too, I'm really looking forward to see get on the field and, and what they can do. So, Andrew, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say my first Sunday backfield split I want to watch is going to be Buffalo. And they're playing uh, the New York Jets at 12. And I really can't wait to see uh, how much Devin Singletary and Zach Moss split time. You know, I, I, I think you've been seeing it. I've been seeing it. We've both been agreeing about Singletary. He's kind of getting faded on and off the field and in fantasy. And I think Zach Moss has a chance to really come out swinging this game. What do you think? No, I'm right there with you, too. On account that last year, I mean, the Jets defense wasn't really terrible last year. You know, they were pretty much middle of the road. I think they were like 16th overall. Actually, looking at it now, yeah, they were 16th overall, which is right in line with there, too. And really just seeing if Zach Moss can kind of establish himself as the presence there that we've all seen and that are, you know, hoping for people yeah. who own him. And I think the other be. thing to think about talking about the Jets defense is how good the Buffalo's defense is and how absolutely horrendous the Jets offense is so game script should favor uh both Singletary and Moss it'll be interesting if Moss really gets a if he gets a bulk of the carries there you know if if, the, if Buffalo gets out to an early lead early on oh I'm right there with you on that too and like I said I mean they they gave up 
gave up some touchdowns last year on the ground. So it, it should be um should be interesting to see how New York comes out and tries to attack this two headed monster over there. So who who else are you looking at as far as Sunday? Uh, what so, what's some backfields you want to look at? So Cleveland would be the next one to talk about, especially since I mean oh, today we didn't even with, talk. Yeah, yeah, with Kareem we Hunt. right into the episode. Yeah. Kareem Hunt signing that two year extension over there in Cleveland. Um, so kinda, real quick, kind of open people's eyes. Yeah. So let's talk about that because I forgot to bring that up when we started here. What do you think about that contract and where are you at with what that means for Nick Chubb and and Cleveland as a whole? Yeah, so we've talked about murky backfields before too. This one made it a little bit murkier too. You know, yeah, this just, just a longer means, term commitment yeah, to it. It's two more years with him and I mean they're paying him, you Good know, money. 13 million dollars, so you know, they're 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 investing in him. That's not that's not a uh, backup money. That he's getting that's that's actual you know starting running back money in in a sense there um, so, it, it's just it's going to be difficult to see and see who comes out as the victor on on that deal so do you see a future do you think that kareem hunt just has such a dynamic skill set that is separate from chubb's elite skill set as a runner that they coexist um or do you see where kareem hunt might actually be the back that cleveland holds on to and chubb moves on um, it's possible to see Chubb move on after this too, because I mean, he still does have two more years on his, his deal, his rookie deal with him. But you can see whenever, whenever Kareem Hunt came back last year, um, I think it was week eight, his, his passing, uh, involvement in the passing game went down significantly. You know, as, he was getting, I mean, you right. You know, so I think, like you said, it's, it's tough for them. They both have their own similar skill sets, like you talked about. Chubb being a dynamic runner, Kareem Hunt being better in the passing game, arguably. Um, Easily, I think yeah. they, they could coexist, you know, but I think once again, we talked about in the last episode, I think they're both there to cap each other. I don't think either of them can be an RB1 anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and I think Chubb still gets the volume. Uh, just because of the way Cleveland's offense is going to work, Chubb's still going to get volume, but the overall fantasy point total week to week is definitely going to be capped in that RB2 range. And the problem I have with this now is that might be a long-term situation uh, with with uh, Hunt getting the contract. So yeah, it'll be so. interesting to see. I do think they use um, Hunt as much as possible in the passing game, and Chubb still gets his as far as touches and, and carries but it will be interesting to watch for sure especially um, in your ppr leagues right yeah exactly so another backfield i i circled to watch and this one it's a little bit more of a long shot but i really like one of the guys down in the depth chart and it's going to be seattle now obviously chris carson's back he's healthy we're hearing some good things out about chris carson uh rashad penny's out but the one that I'm looking at is DJ Dallas. And with uh, Carson and Carlos Hyde, DJ Dallas might find his way onto the field week one for some passing down. He's been looking really good at camp. And it'll be interesting to see if they deploy him at all at week one and if he gets a couple snaps here and there and, and a chance to make some plays. Because he's a guy that he's – he's a long-term play. I'm not looking for anything, you know, week one right. to – but it's interesting. And with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson's injury history, you never know. 
I mean, it could quickly become a situation where DJ Dallas is thrusted into a bigger role. So, you know, Pete Carroll, he always talks up his players <laughs> in training camp, but it'll be interesting to see if all of the hype he's kind of been stoking is legit or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll be interested to see that one for sure. Um, the other one, well, do you have anything you want to say about DJ nope. or anything? So nope. I'll let you take that one. <laughs> The other one, and this one is, this is one that I really think is going to surprise people, and it's Indianapolis. And so, Andrew, who do you think gets more carries week one, Jonathan Taylor or Marlon Mack? Marlon Mack, easy. Don't even have to yeah. think about that one. Um, I he's think still, so too. He's still, Jonathan Taylor's still a rookie, you know? I mean, he's still highly touted, early draft, um, capital on him, invested in him too, but He's was struggling in camp, like we've previously mentioned in some of our shows. I, I just think that Marlon Mack is the veteran on on uh, that backfield in that backfield, and it's just going to be easier for them to kind of ease Jonathan Taylor into it instead of kind of throwing him to the wolves off the bat too. I agree, and I think this is another game script situation where you know Indianapolis has a chance to get up on the Jaguars, and Marlon Mack's just going to have to run the ball to run to eat clock and just chew everything up and. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we get. But I agree. That's that's one situation. You know, we're going to talk about this a little bit uh, in the next little section we have here. But, you know, rookies week one, who are the ones you're trusting and not? I, 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 I'd rather be starting Marlon Mack than Jonathan Taylor this week. Agreed. Sure. Agreed. To start. Obviously, that will change. But to start. Uh, now, the other backfield that I don't even we've know what quite to a say. Few, we've got a, quite a few more backfields to talk about. Yeah, but this one's in the same game, is Jacksonville. Yeah, So confusion. Confusionville. Oh, my God. I mean, so is James Robinson really about to get the helm here and we just see what happens? Which is crazy because if anyone remembers, he was, I'm pretty sure he was one of three UDFAs who actually got signed. Yeah, he's one of three that actually made the 53-man roster throughout the NFL. There was a bunch of them, surprising ones that got cut, you know. But yeah, so now this cat, UDFA out of Illinois State, coming out and <laughs> being the starter for the Jaguars in week one. That's it's well, crazy. It'll to be think. interesting. You know, this guy had 1,300 um, yards after contact in college. So I'll be really interested to see. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I've been, the more you dig on this guy, the more you're reading that his camp was a big reason why the Jaguars felt. Yeah, uh, and Moretti I did read comfortable that. Cutting Fournette. So who knows? We might have like a Philip Lindsay situation on our hands here. That would be uh, awesome. Yeah. Or Eckler. Wasn't he a UDFA as well? I'm not sure, but I know well, Lindsay was. was. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll also be interesting to see if Azebo gets involved. Chris Thompson, I actually have as one of my favorite week one starts, kind of a sneaky start play. Um, I think game script is going to favor Chris Thompson's usage there. He's got the rapport with Jay Gruden and w- the Jaguars are going to be throwing the ball a whole lot. So Chris Thompson's going to be getting a lot of work. And so I'm all about a, a week one start on Chris Thompson, especially right. with, you know, the complete uncertainty of James Robinson and Ezekbo behind him. So I'm all for that one. And then it'll be interesting to see what happens when Armstead gets back. You know, who's going to be the main guy? Is it going to be a main guy? Is it going to be straight up RBBC? Who knows? But that's going to be a game to really watch and get a feel for. Right. That'll be a good one to to see how everyone kind of fits into their role, into their 
their gadget players and into what we're going to see come the future of the season with, with that backfield. Agreed. Agreed. Maybe we see some LaVisca Chenault in the backfield. Hey, it's it happened in college. Not not uh, not unheard of here. Um, so let's move on to the next one, which we talked about a little bit last week or a couple weeks ago with uh, Washington, the Washington football team and how their backfield is going to play out week one. Well, this is another one that I'm super excited to watch and see what happens. And that's because Antonio Gibson, who's kind of like the most talked about player, one of the most talked about players this past week or two in fantasy football and dynasty, especially what is this guy's value? What is he worth? And to be honest, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm right there in the same boat, which I have no clue, not a inkling. We were talking about this on the phone earlier before the show, but you know, there's a whole this is, this is a situation to me where you look at a guy like Antonio Gibson, He has very little sample size to draw from as far as what we're looking at from college production. I think it was, you know, the old thing you see it on every tweet, like 33 carries in college. Yeah, less than 100 touches. Yeah, extremely small sample size. But the athletic, the analytic side, the body profile, all this points to ideal for a three down back. And apparently Ron Rivera loves Ron Ron Rivera. I don't know why I always pronounce it that way. But Ron Rivera loves him, and this is a guy that helped develop CMC. So I'm interested to see if Antonio Gibson is really kind of worth the price of admission right now, or is he worth even more? Is he a total bust? You don't know. And this is a situation in fantasy football, dynasty especially, where sometimes you have to take risk on a guy that has huge upside and just let the cards fall. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I got so we just did a startup draft. I took Antonio Gibson in the sixth round. Uh, I wanted another running back. He's young, obviously, as a rookie, got the opportunity at Washington to make a name for himself. And I actually took him over Kareem Hunt and some other names like that. And my reasoning for that is it's a it's a risk reward thing. And if if I like let's just and we were talking about this earlier. If Antonio Gibson has a couple good weeks to start the season, you know, three or four, let's say, mm-hmm. and, and he starts strong and he looks good, or even if he takes a little while and let's say mid-season or late season, like Miles Sanders rise after their bye week or something, he comes on. This is a guy that could go from a sixth-round draft pick startup to a third or a fourth, which that's a pretty big jump. And to me, with in today's NFL and the way running backs are being treated – with contracts, with, you know, obviously the injury issues you're always working with. But the way that that NFL teams are paying their running backs are not necessarily. To me, it makes more and more sense now to invest in youth and find those guys that are on fresh rookie deals that you don't have Mm -hmm. to worry about for a little while and, and just go with that. And Antonio Gibson's one of them. So It'll be really interesting to see how he's worked in Bryce Love, what he looks like. I don't think week one we see much from Bryce Love. I honestly think it's going to be Peyton Barber, Antonio Gibson, and a little J.D. McKissick thrown in. Hey, J.D. McKissick is the top of the depth chart, so I think we see more J.D. McKissick and less of Antonio Gibson than everyone thinks, personally. I have no, I don't know about that. I think Antonio Gibson actually ends up with the same amount of touches or more than J.D. McKissick. At the end, at, at, we'll see. That'll be a good we'll one to see. look at. I think yep. Peyton Barber gets more work than people are ready for too. Just being yep. the guy that you know, the the veteran, uh, you know, that's always week one again, the veteran. But yeah, Washington to me, we'll talk more about that matchup later. One of the most interesting 
I can't wait to watch. Now, another running back situation split backfield is going to be Tampa Bay. Andrew, I know you own some shares of Ronald Jones. I do. I do. I still, I'm still pretty confident with him heading into week one, man. Um, they are going against the Saints, though. Um, they had a good defense last year. I mean, pretty middle of the road, but I mean, it was still good for that kind of standard. Um, I'm not really too worried about the people behind Ronald Jones taking over um that backfield too quickly a lot of people are high on leonard fournette and even Lashawn mccoy still will get some touches but i don't think it's enough to kind of disrupt the ronald jones train over there too right now in my eyes and apparently bruce arian's eyes too it's it's his job to lose you know but the big thing with him is not just his his pass catching ability or running the football too it was his role in the passing game last year for extra protection for Tom Brady there too, where it makes me a little nervous. If he's improved on that aspect, then he should see the field more than both of those guys combined. Whereas we saw last year with Peyton Barber down there that uh, Arians isn't afraid to pull him if he's missing assignments very quickly. You know, obviously he was the more talented back and he was playing second fiddle due to his lack of pass protection abilities. So it'd be interesting to see if he's fixed that aspect of his game and then kind of see the split out of week one to see how it goes with everything. They said that Fournette's picking it up pretty quickly. I saw that's what I was about to ask you is Arians. Now, again, I don't know if you can trust anything that comes out of Arians' mouth, but that was interesting, wasn't it? That he came out and said that. Like, Leonard's really picking it up fast. He's a bright guy. I'm like, oh God, here we go. It's already yeah, here we go working. again, right? <laughs> like, I would have thought Ronald Jones would have a couple weeks where he would be the guy, but I just really wonder if Leonard's going to get in there and uh, it's just going to turn into full blown just RBBC cluster. Which it could be right. I mean, that's that's it's not ever out of the out of the question for a bunch of these coaches either. You know, like if you're messing up in one aspect of the game. There's a reason that people have, you know, four, five, six different running backs on their roster. They're they're not afraid. It'll be interesting to see where we are talking about this backfield week five, week six. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm right there with you on that, too. I'm I'm really interested to watch the progression of that backfield and who kind of rises as top dog if one does. I mean, everybody's been saying how good Ronald Jones looks. But then Leonard Fournette, I mean, you can't deny the production that he's had. And now in a dynamic offense led by Tom Brady and Arians. I don't know. It's going to be interesting for sure. Mm-hmm, for sure. So um, the other, the next guy, the next backfield I want to talk about is uh, the LA Rams. And, you know, this is another rookie led backfield, uh, what we're thinking at least with Cam Akers. And are we going to see a lot of Cam Akers? You know, they got Malcolm Brown above him. Is it going to be? Is Malcolm Brown going to do what he did to Daryl Henderson last year and spoil everybody's excitement? Or is it going to be Cam Akers? Or is it going to be a little bit of all three of them? Or, like, what's the deal? Um, From what I've noticed and I've seen, it looks like Malcolm Brown is going to play spoiler, at least for week one, because they're they're, they're saying that Henderson's trending toward playing week one. Um, That that is going to put another damper on the cam Akers hype train that's coming in right now because i mean daryl henderson i mean he was a rookie last year you know so he he still is uber talented i think that he still kind of plays 
a role in there. There's no way he's not going to. And then Malcolm Brown, I mean, he's going to vulture a lot of those goal line touches, you know, and I think it's really going to make people who own shares of Henderson and Cam Akers very frustrated whenever they can't get into the end zone. You know, they'll march all the way down the field and then, you know, kind of get pushed out of the way by this big boy. It'll be interesting to see how that goes down for sure. And that's another one with Cam Akers. You know, if you drafted Cam Akers, you know, I'm actually not that high on Cam Akers. I never was. I, I and I'm not crazy about the situation. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see for sure, kind of who goes where and what. But uh, I'm definitely like, don't expect too much out of your Cam Akers week one. I mean, yeah, that's be, where I'm easy at enough. Yeah, I'm right there too. I mean, I, a lot of these, unless they're clear cut in their role. I mean, I'm not expecting a whole bunch out of rookies week one. Yeah, I agree. So the next one I want to talk about is uh, the last one is going to be Denver. And this is going to be another situation where Philip Lindsay just throws a monkey wrench into everybody's situation here. And we're talking about Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay and what sounds like a 50-50 split going into Monday night football against Tennessee. So we've been saying this all along. I've been touting it. I've been pounding the table on this. Just because they signed Melvin Gordon, he has all this money, doesn't mean that he's going to be the number one back there. That's not true. They've come out and said it's not true, that they were going to run a 50-50 split. And if, you know... Hot hand. Yeah, Gordon comes out and, you know, he's very efficient, five, six yards a carry, then, you know, he's going to get the bulk of the carries, you know? But even then, we saw last year, too, that Austin Eckler can do the exact same kind of thing. You know, Philip Lindsay is not someone to be pushed out of the way. He's not someone to be slept on, you know? He's back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. He's fire in him, man. He's just, like a, he's just a competitive son of a bitch, really. And he got bigger, too. You know, he put on yeah. a bunch of weight in the offseason, which hopefully that doesn't affect his speed, but that, that hair is a little aerodynamic, too, you know? So oh, don't, sleep on, don't sleep on the fro. Well, it'll be interesting to see again. I just I think this is going to be another real confusing. We talked about cannibalization with uh, Hunt and Chubb, and this is going to be the epitome of that to me with Lindsey and Gordon. Unless mm-hmm. Gordon comes out as old Gordon and just you know sets himself apart, and, and Lindsey, but it sounds like Lindsey's just kept stride for stride with him the whole time, and it's just not going to be a situation where there's really one over the other, unless one's just having a good day or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I don't think either of them are leaps and bounds ahead of the other one. No, nope. yeah. So I'm I'm in the I, same. I, that's with- a, that's a that's a backfield. I don't really want anything to do with Gordon because of the price. Lindsey, I'm okay with having some shares of because he dropped so much in price when Gordon came in. As but, soon as Gordon came in, yep. But I'm really like okay with not being involved there much at all. Right, Lin- I'm, Lindsay, I'm- I don't mind for the price, but outside of that, it's like. God, it's just confusing. I stand I mean, by you on that too. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little little offsetting a little bit because people are gonna be expecting, you know, the big numbers they got out of Lindsay and the big numbers they've got out of Gordon. You know, I mean, even last year, whenever he held out, I mean, he still finished as an RB two. They both did finished as RB twos, and I mean, I just think, like you said, cannibalization. They're gonna cap each other yep. there too. So we're going to talk a little bit about some rookie performers we want to watch going away from the backfield splits and some that we're looking to see how much they get used, what they look like, 
and stuff like that. So, you know, the first guy I have on our list here, Andrew, is, is a rookie wide receiver that I am super excited about. Obviously, most people are, as he was one of right. the top wide receiver candidates. <laughs> but from everything we've heard, he's looked amazing in practice. And it's Jerry Judy. And I can't wait to watch him operate with Drew Locke and uh, and against against the Titans. What do you what do you think about Judy? I'm week excited one. for him too, man. Um, week one, I mean, it's going to be a telltale for that entire Denver offense. You know, yep, that's coming true. out a lot with, of new faces, a yep. lot of revamp. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with Drew Locke. I mean, this is going to be like his show to run. You know, he only played a few games last year, so we'll see how the rapport is developed over the off season with Judy. But he's also got big names like Cortland Sutton, you know, Noah Fant, and then he's got his two running backs who we just went on a little tangent about there too. Um. He's a crisp route runner. Everyone always said he's one of the the best route runners to come out in a decade. Really well, yeah. He, the whole yeah. Thing. So I, I mean, that we might one, be in a great situation operating with Sutton taking taking uh, the cornerbacks one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially with the 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 Titans this week too. You know, they weren't really necessarily a defense to be a pushover last year. Pretty middle of the road when it came. Yeah, it'll be interesting as well. to see. I, I think that Judy has potential to really like i think he's a better talent than sutton and so it'll be interesting to see how that you know how that wide receiver room kind of develops uh going down the road but week one will definitely be telling and like you said a big a big part of jerry judy's development uh is rookie performers to watch here is drew Locke's kind of rookie performer to watch too like you said i mean how he looks is obviously extremely like going to affect how Judy looks. So I'll be really interested to watch, uh, to watch both guys. So I mean, he's actually a rookie, his first full season to play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be really interesting. So um, the other one, and you were talking to me a little bit about this guy earlier is old uh, mm-hmm. CD lamb. So what are you, are you going to be? Yeah, exactly. Our two, our wide receiver one and two. So with CD, what are you looking for? Week one, what's your expectations? Are you putting him in your starting lineup? I'm probably going to shy away from him starting week one until I can figure out what's going on with Dallas and going going through there with Mike McCarthy's head over there, too. Um, he says normally that they run three wide sets as a base offense. So CeeDee Lamb should take that. You know, Randall Cobb had that role last year sitting in there as the wide receiver three. Um, I mean, I'm going to shy away from him because I want to see his involvement and how he's developed over the offseason being adjusted into that offense. I mean, that's another one that's, you know, super high powered. You have Zeke, Tony Pollard, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Jarwin's supposed to be this this big sleeper this year, too. I just want to see how he fits in with everything, too. I don't think that he's going to draw very much attention, even though he deserves it. He's very dangerous. But I, like I said, I just want to see him develop and implement himself and set a standard that he does need to be respected in this league. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think. Uh... I agree with you. I don't know if I'd start CD week one, but I also wouldn't, I I wouldn't shame anybody for doing so. I think he has a productive first game, but it will really be interesting to see how much he cuts into Amari Cooper and, uh, and Gallup there. So, right. Right. Now the other one we touched on a little bit earlier, we'll touch on him a little bit more here. Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'm really Again, I, I think we both agree he's a. I don't even know if I'd start him. If I did, it would be Mm-mm. a flex play. Yeah, it would be at a flex best, play at very best. And I, 
I do think he's not going to have the production that obviously he's going to have for the rest of his career this game. And this is going to be, you know, he's getting eased in. He's struggling in the passing game a little bit, which will hurt him getting on the field some. However, every time he gets the ball, I'm going to be really excited to watch how he looks on the NFL field. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard a lot of good things from camp other than the, the drop passes when he does get the ball on the ground. He looks tremendous. He's been trucking people on Indianapolis defense. So I'll be watching to see his his runs and how he looks and how explosive he is and all that kind of stuff. So, But it will be interesting to see how much workload he actually gets. So Taylor's or how much one, they trust him off the bat. Yeah. Taylor's one to watch, obviously. Um, and then this, is an, uh, this was one that we should have actually talked about in the last thing with backfields, but it's J.K. Dobbins. So, yeah, they have him as number four. Did you see that? Like he's at the bottom oh, after I didn't like see that. Yeah, three days ago they were like, Oh, hey, he's gonna be super involved. And they're like, here you go. You can go as the number four, you know, well, behind I don't know. I, I, Gus and Justice Hill. I mean, the depth charts mean I wouldn't say little, but you know very little. I, I would I would definitely I've been we've all been saying Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins, they're all gonna eat into each other. I mean, that's a guarantee. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes Dobbins to rise into that lead role. I mean, Mark Ingram, if he looks like he did last year, I mean, do you even see Dobbins taking over the backfield this year? No, even though they've said that he's going to have a role, I don't. I mean, I was just reading this thing that just came out from uh, Rotowire saying that even Dobbins could be a week one healthy scratch. You know, he may not even play week one. That's crazy. Well, they yeah. have the depth. I mean, they don't need to. You know, I still obviously believe in Dobbins as a talent big time. But it's a crowded backfield led by a veteran, productive running back that showed no signs of slowing down last year, Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. So, And Gus Edwards is extremely efficient himself. So, I mean, that's a tough backfield to break into, really. Could be a gadget player, too. You know, he yeah. could do other stuff in addition yeah. to just being a running back. So, I mean, he, he may be one of the, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, they say he's a good NFL player, not a good fantasy player. I don't see that happening, but no, I I would be surprised if he was, if he was relegated to gadget. I think as Mm -hmm. I think Dobbins is a multi-year play. Um, so exactly the, the most excited. Well, he is definitely one of my more excited rookies to watch this, this week. He's not my most. He's in the top tier, though, is Joe Burrow. Uh, I can't yeah. wait to watch Cincinnati play. I might watch that whole game. You know, I, I red zone everything, and then I go back and watch certain games. But I might watch Cincinnati live. Uh, they come on the same time as the Saints and Buccaneers, too. Yeah, but, but I just really can't wait to see. <laughs> what does Joe Burrow look like leading an NFL offense? And are we going to see a slow start, or is it going to be electrifying? Oh man, that's that's a tough one for me. I mean, I want to say electrifying. They do play the Chargers, who last year had you know a good defense, but they lost uh, their safety. Their defensive player of the year nominee is out. Oh, I was also going to say last year. You know, they were they uh, they did pretty well when it came to uh, came to stopping the pass. So, I mean, they were fifth. No, only allowed. 3,200 passing yards They're last year. They're good. Um, but we'll see how he comes out, man. He's got he's got the options. He's got the scheme. They said he came out. He knows everything. He's ready to rock and roll. 
I, I mean, it, it's just going to be his show to run, man. And hopefully we can just sit back and watch him run it. Yeah, I'm really interested to watch uh, how that looks and, and what it looks like. So I agree. I, I, I just can't wait to see Joe Burrow out there on the field. So another one, we already talked about him a little bit. Again, Antonio Gibson. I don't really have anything to add to that one. I mean, it's just going to be how much workload does he get? You know what I mean? That's the big that's the big question mark on him is is what is exactly his his role in that offense? I agree. How much can so, he carry? So, uh a couple I'll address these guys. I'll introduce them both at the same time. Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, rookie wide receivers starting for Las Vegas. What are we looking yeah. at from them week 1? I mean, that that to me might be one of the bigger they're being thrust the bigger storylines. Yeah, to the yeah. to the Lions, man. You know, go for it. Yeah, I mean, they are being thrown into the front lines, and it's like, all right, sink or swim, boys. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess is the best way, maybe not the best way, but it's a good way to indicate to see how they're going to (laughs) do in the league. Here, figure it out. I know we've been running all this, and then, you know, you thought you were going to be playing second fiddle to somebody else. We put on IR, season-ending IR, wasn't it, for Tyrell Williams? Yeah. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, so these two young cats. I will say... And I think you'd agree with me on this. I was not expecting Tyrell Williams to ever impact the Neither of them. value. Yeah. But it definitely makes things happen quicker now. Yeah, it kind of accelerates, like you said, what, uh, what they're going to do over there. I'm excited yeah, to see exactly. um, how they work against Carolina, too. Um, they've, they've got some, some good stars over there, good secondary. Um, this is a first year without Luke Keekley though, too. So it may open up a little bit for Derek Carr, uh, to see how he is going to do as well. But I think that they've got a safe play with Derek Carr. And I think they've, they've got Josh Jacobs in the backfield to help. And I, I just think Ruggs and Edwards, they're, they're going to be maybe the two or of a few rookies that I may start week one, just because the they opportunity, have, the opportunity is yeah. there. They you have know? to be the guys. It'll be interesting to watch that for sure. Right. So the last rookie I really want to talk about as far as a performance to watch, if he plays. I've also um, heard he may not play. So this may not even be relevant, but we'll just touch <laughs> real quick. Is Brandon Ayuk. Um, another uh, rookie that's being thrown into a situation where, like we just talked about with Ruggs and Edwards, he does, he, there, he's just he's being thrown out there. Uh, he looked really good until the hamstring issue. He's still sidelined as of today. Uh, he did not participate in Monday's team practice. Oh, that was yesterday, so we haven't heard about today. But uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. You know, they're going to be easing back in Debo Samuel um, with the Jones fracture and everything. But as Ayuk gets better and the hamstring heals, where's his role? When does he go off? We know San Francisco traded up to get Brandon Ayuk. They really like him. They're going to use him. Shanahan is going to find ways to use Ayuk when he's healthy. So that's going to be one, whether it's this week, whether it's next week, that just kind of carries over. He's going to be a rookie performer. I can't wait to watch and see what San Francisco does, especially with the wide receivers they have. I mean, it's going to eventually be Debo and Brandon, I would think. That's going to be it. They said they're moving him all around the field, too. Like he's Exactly. He's going deep bombs. He's running inside the numbers. Like he's doing everything for him and just being stellar. So it'll be really, that's one. If he doesn't play this week, roll it over to week two. 
uh, Brandon Ayuk, keep your eye on him and 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 watch for the for the development there. So, Andrew, before we finish off, I want to give you the moment to tell me what's your favorite matchups of the week that you're watching Ooh. for fantasy purposes. Where are you going to be spending most of your time uh, on game day? So, first off, game day is red zone day, as you know. Um, so the first game that I have on my list is the Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers strictly because I'm ready to see this number one San Francisco 49ers defense from last year, who is already been touted to do like a repeat of being the best defense in the NFL against this newly air raid Deandre Hopkins led Kyler Murray offense with Arizona here. Also, I'm interested to see how Kenyon Drake and the approach with him comes, especially since they talked about him having the walking boot on and seeing, you know, his load management or case management, see how they're going to do with him in the offense. I think it's going to be super exciting to watch these two teams go at it and see, you know, who comes out, you know, with it's the, the lifelong question we talk about in the NFL is it good offense that wins championships or is a good defense wins championships? You know, so that's that's the first one I have. Do you want to do your first one? Yeah. So for me, it's going to be Washington and Philadelphia. And my big reasons that I'm going to be excited to watch this for fantasy purposes again um, is going to be, first of all, with Philadelphia. We'll talk about them first since I didn't really get to talk about them is uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch Miles Sanders in a premier role uh, as the lead back. As long as he's good to go, 100 percent, I'm excited to watch that. But what I'm more interested in watching is what Philadelphia's receiving situation is going to be. I think we're going to see a lot of work for Zach Ertz, probably Dallas Godard as well. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, I think we'll get a disappointing amount of use because there's some young names that we're kind of excited about. I know I'm excited about. The two guys I'm really going to be watching, possibly even three, is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Greg Ward, and then maybe a little John Hightower sprinkled in there. But J.J. and Greg Ward, I'm really looking forward to seeing how much Carson Wentz goes to these guys. He he loved Greg Ward uh, as far as a PPR, you know, getting targets last year when he needed him. Um, so I think Greg Ward gets some love. I think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is going to turn into a good red zone target for Wentz. And so that's another one I'm going to be interested in watching. So I'm really interested to seeing how the receiving room unfolds, especially with Rager out. Even though it sounds like Rager's doing good, so he might be back mm-hmm. sooner than later which will be good, but um, who steps up and who creates uh, um, themselves as a wide receiver too, as a, a, and especially with the future of the wide receivers goes, you know, who kind of steps up or Whiteside Ward or Hightower or what goes on there. And then obviously on the Washington side, there's three things I'm really looking for. Dwayne Haskins. I love Dwayne Haskins as a buy low this year. Y'all been hearing us talk about it. And I cannot wait to see him on the field. He's looked great in training camp. So I can't wait to watch Dwayne Haskins and how he looks out there. I hope he looks a lot more comfortable and just really starts to grow into that quarterback that I think he can be. Uh, Then, obviously, the backfield, I won't touch on that anymore. But Antonio Gibson, Peyton Barber, (laughs) Jaden Kizik, where do we fall there? And then, finally, Terry McLaurin. I'm excited to watch more of him on the field. And then Steven Sims Jr., uh, I kind of think as the wide receiver two and how he looks there as as that guy for Washington, and and if he can really kind of produce himself as a fantasy relevant option. So 
those are that that's the first game I'm looking at. Uh, I'm surprised you you didn't talk about your boy Logan Thomas over there too. Logan Thomas too. I forgot. Uh, they're so you know that game's look at how much stuff there. I mean, it's, it's sneaky underrated because, you know, people last year weren't like, man, I'm so excited to watch a Washington football game this year. Well, it's because of the uncertainty. Like, where do we, do we get fantasy production out of this team? Where does it come from? I love situations like this because it's not so established. It's much more like, okay, where's it going to come from? Who's the guys? Where's the value? You know me. I'm all about the value buys. I'm all about value. Yeah. I'm all about picking those guys up where you can get production out of them that, you know, people don't think you can. And Washington's loaded with that. Logan Thomas, exactly. How much does Dwayne Haskins throw to Logan Thomas? Is he a red zone target uh, for Haskins and, and, and all that? So I'm really excited about that game. What's your second and final game? I mean, I mean, I have to go with the Breeze versus Brady, man. A lot of people are looking forward to this. This is a very highly high-powered, super high-powered offensive battle coming into this one. I mean, these are two yeah. of, of the greatest of all time quarterbacks coming together to play against each other. And we get two games of this this year, man. I'm super stoked to see how Emmanuel Sanders fits into this, this Drew Brees offense, how Alvin Kamara at 100%, supposedly, even though they talked about his epidural in his back last week. But know, right? we'll, see, we'll see how they come out and how these offenses are going to be playing against each other. Dude, it's going to be a shootout, you know, because... Tampa's Tampa's defense wasn't fantastic. You know, they were third to last, giving up over 4,000 yards passing. Everyone knows Drew Brees is the all-time leader in passing yards. And then the, the Saints, I mean, they're okay. You know, they were they were a little bit worse than the middle of the road through the air. And Tom Brady's really good through the air, too. Then we have people coming in. And, like, the big question marks we have is, like, who is the receiver to own in Tampa? Can Tom Brady support two wide receiver ones? You know? Yeah. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and then even have the the factor of Gronkowski. Dude's been gone for two years. How does yeah. his body adjust after being not beaten up to taking NFL level hits here too? And then of course we talked about the the uncertainty in the backfield too. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And then like I mentioned earlier, watch flipping it on the other side is um, the roles that the, the Saints have in here is some people are saying this is going to be Traquan Smith's breakout year for the Saints. Some people are saying that's not going to happen. Emmanuel Sanders is a two-year deal coming in. I don't believe it, but <laughs> and then of course Michael Thomas, you know, single single season reception record holder. Can he do something similar again over there with Drew Brees? I, I just think that's going to be an all-out shootout. I think that's going to be. I'll put my stamp on it. Be the highest scoring game, higher than. The Texans and Chief, I think that'll be the the big okay. points right there. I think that's, that's a, the one. That'll be interesting to see if they are the highest scoring. I mean, it could be. Uh, I think that one, I think Arizona-San Francisco could be too. Um, if Arizona can score on San Francisco, it might turn into a, just rocking and rolling. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Ready. I'm ready, yeah, man. There's so much uncertainty in the Buccaneers, but so many big names. It's crazy. Name recognition. Like, yeah, I, I'm really excited to watch that one. So my last game that I'm excited to watch uh, doesn't have as many big names as yours does. No, <laughs> it's okay, though. <laughs> the Colts and the Jaguars. And the reason why I'm excited to watch the Colts and the Jaguars, a few reasons. One, on the Colts side, we've got what does Phillip Rivers look like with a much better line in front of him, first of all? Can he kind of have a renaissance year of sorts? 
I think he looks a lot better than he did last year. The running back situation, which we already talked about, how much Marlon Mack versus Jonathan Taylor. Does Naheem Hines get on the field more than, we, than we're thinking? And Rivers uses him. And then with the wide receivers, you know, we know T.Y. Hilton's the lead dog, but who starts to take over between Pittman and Campbell as the wide receiver too? It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Pittman's had more time on the field this offseason with the team. Campbell, not so much. Um, and Pittman sounded good at training camp, but not great, uh, which doesn't overly surprise me. But we'll see when they get on the field kind of who, you know, who's who's the wide receiver too, who's the main target after. Who's the heir to the throne. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they both end up being uh, good guys, especially once Hilton's gone. But uh, for now, it will be interesting to see who's the who's the weapon number two. And then on the Jaguar side, you know, I'm interested to see Gardner Minshew in year two, what he looks like being, I mean, he's the guy this year. He doesn't have to worry about Nick Foles back there. So he is the guy Uh, interested to see the backfield again. I think once again, I'll say it one more time, Chris Thompson, start him week one, enjoy the game script. That's probably going to be a lot of passing. Chris Thompson's going to get work and the guy makes plays. If he stays healthy, he makes plays. He's probably going to stay healthy for week one. Enjoy that. And then my most favorite and who I am so excited to watch with a full year with one quarterback and hopefully staying on the field is DJ Chark. I think DJ Chark has a wide receiver one year coming up in front of him. With the way that the Jaguars are moving, there's going to be a lot of garbage time. There's going to be a lot of time for Gardner to just chuck deep balls at DJ Chark, something that DJ Chark is really good at. And he's going to score a lot of fantasy points for you. So I really can't wait to see what DJ Chark looks like uh, going forward with the Jaguars and how that looks. Also, uh, we might see a little LaVisca Chenault here and there, another rookie that I'm excited to watch. Uh, we might see a little bit more Chris Conley than Chenault than we're hoping for early on. But to me, the star of that wide receiver is obviously DJ Chark. And I can't wait to see what he looks like as the clear-cut wide receiver one. This is the guy. He's the lead. He's the alpha. And and let's see what that looks like. So. That's what I'm most excited about. Andrew, I think that's it for our week one. So we're going to be doing stuff Ooh. like this every week. I know it was a lot. We just we just banged that out. But um, <laughs> I'm really excited. Guys that are tuning in, we really appreciate it. We're going to be doing something like this every week. We're going to try to give you guys a little bit of extra content in there with our weekly di- diagnosis, analysis, what we're thinking, what we thought about last week, what that means for next week, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just keep checking in Spotify, Amazon music. Now Apple podcasts as well. If you're getting us on Apple podcasts, hit us up with that five-star review. We much appreciate it. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Andrew, before we go, you have anything you want to add? Nope. Just saying thank you to all the listeners who appreciate it. I mean, we've, we did it. We made it. We finally are here. It is, it is, it is week one. Enjoy Uh, football. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter with any questions to start sits, things along those lines. I'm at Andrew underscore NFL, and the show's at is Dynasty at Dynasty Decision. No way. Here we go.